0: You wanted the best, but you're shit out of luck. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. We're here to waste some of your time and hopefully entertain you for a little bit. So thank you for letting us into your head. Hope we don't do any damage. Welcome to Episode 8 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. Uh, Welcome back to all our listeners, and thank you for listening to the last episode. Joining me again is uh, Jay, Andrew, and after a hiatus of a few too many episodes, uh, Daniel, welcome back from uh, the land of the dark. So,
1: am um... <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> you can see it. Okay. Yeah, it's one o'clock. I actually fell asleep just half an hour ago, but I'm back now.
0: Are you still on holiday?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So today's topic uh, is what are our favorite bootlegs? Um, Recordings of unofficial uh, providence, be them live or demos or, or whatever. You know, I guess uh, someone may drop in a related one. Um, I was going through my torrents folder and I did find a black and blue um, audio recording that I've never listened to, so I guess it could be just about anything that flips people's boats. So to get this topic started let's just do a quick uh roundtable of what's the most recent bootleg everyone's listened to uh let's start with jay uh
2: well it'd have to be the cleveland uh 70 i think it's 74 uh, the one that just leaked not too long ago i think it's a radio show
0: yeah the wonderful agora what is it yeah. uh at the, at the agora W M M S yeah. show from 74 so that is very early and very good quality and very much out there Andrew, yeah, I was
2: really I was really shocked.
0: Andrew, what about you? Would oh, you say me? Yep, you. Oh,
3: uh, The very the last show I listened to was uh, East Lansing, Michigan, uh, October twenty first, nineteen seventy four. That one it leaked about I want to say two or three years ago. And just like Cleveland, it's a really early soundboard show, and um, you get a really good shot to hear those Hotter Than Hell album tracks, and um, it's just. It's another one of those things that lets you know that this was a great live band back in the day.
0: Yeah, that's the brewery, I think. Uh, really powerful, early, hungry kiss. Some, mm-hmm. of the, some of the best kiss. How about you, Daniel?
1: Well, actually, the last one I listened to was uh, Cleveland 74. I think one of you guys chose it to discuss this time around, so we'll hear more about that soon, I hope.
0: Yep, and I guess the one I most recently re- listened to was uh, the new Atlanta Dynasty one, which unfortunately is not particularly uh, good quality. Number one, it's the Dynasty Tour. Number two, it's uh, it's just really crap quality. So I don't think there's much hope for there. It's up there with Milwaukee 76 for anyone who cares uh, to compare. All right, let's jump into this topic with uh, one of our top fives. and. You know, let's let's start it off with Andrew.
3: Number one on my top five, and this was the easiest of my top five to pick, New York City, 1977. It was the very first VHS bootleg I got. And uh, for anyone who knows anything about Kiss Expos, I used to go to the old Rothman Center, New York, New Jersey, Kiss Expos. And I bought this at somebody's table. I don't know who it was. It could have been, you know, our favorite bootleg guy, Mark um, for, know, our so I,
0: Our I, favorite I, former bootleg guy, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So so I I bought this I, I bought this and, and I saw New York City seventy seven and I was really young at the time when I got it. I think I got it in ninety eight. So I thought that it was a love gun tour. And then I put it on and I go, Wait, that's not the love gun Because ah, I guess I I didn't know at the time when they transitioned from rock going over to Love Gun. Um, so and it's I still had the VHS that I got. It was one of those Kiss Vision VHS tapes. And uh, I must have watched that tape a hundred times, a hundred times. And uh, I was really lucky to get a nice copy on DVD. And it's still one of my favorite shows because I remember getting it, and I remember watching it, going, "Oh my god!" Because it was the first time I had seen, you know, Gene spit blood and Ace do the smoking guitar. I would seen pictures of it. I I'd seen it in concert, you know, um, when I was eleven. But I, you don't you don't to those memories at eleven, so this was my first time just seeing and, and seeing that, that band and that I've heard so much about and I was just like, wow. So I must've watched it 500 times and that's being generous.
0: And that's one of the ones that's been out there for a long time. They, they added it to some of it, uh, to kissology. So does that make it a bootleg anymore?
3: Well, the, if see, since I'm a bootleg guy. So when I watched that bonus, it's on kissology. Who, who edited that? Okay. <laughs> Cause first of all, It doesn't start off with the audio from New York City 77. It starts off with an audio from, I believe it's Tokyo. And then it kind of fades in and you're like, what? Who did this? Did someone get paid to do this? Because it was awful.
0: It's not even chaptered, was it?
3: No, it wasn't even chaptered. And then, of course, they chose like, okay, let's choose the song where Ace breaks string. Shout it out loud. Why did you pick that song? So, and I thought when I'm watching that, and this is the same with all the kissology stuff. When I was watching that copy, I'm like, man, my DVD is better than this that they put out. So, if you remember, you know, back in the day, only the encores were available for the longest time. And then the whole show, I guess, leaked out. I don't know what the, I don't know how it leaked out back then, but it was only the encores at first. So, um, and, and also there was a rumor to be a different version of the show out there too, with different camera angles that were used. Um, and here's another quick fact, and then I'll stop yammering on about this show. Uh, many fans have said, you know, why don't other New York City Madison Square Garden shows exist on video? Well, because the Garden didn't have an in-house video crew like uh, Cobo Hall and the Capitol Center. Uh, Kiss hired Kirby Kelly to videotape that show because I guess they knew the historical significance of the show. So they actually hired someone to video that show. That's why it exists.
0: And that, of course, that is the show where Paul has said, when we headlined the MSG, we knew we'd made it, right? So, I guess that explains and why they taped it.
3: Last fact too: that was the very first show, or the very first known occurrence that Paul used his rock and roll over costume.
0: Yeah, so that that is an ancient show in terms of history, and mm-hmm. I remember getting that. I got the Kiss Vision VHS uh, way back when I was still in England, I think. Um, so, very cool show, Daniel. We're going to have to, we're going to pace you to keep you awake. So how about you? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I was around 15 when I started
1: collecting bootlegs. uh, And this was somewhere around 91, 92. So Revenge was uh, a brand new album. Uh, And uh, I remember I had a hard time um, getting a hold of bootlegs because I was like the only Kiss fan around, you know, uh, I remember one guy who claimed he was a KISS fan he actually said that KISS's new drummer was a girl and he had proof if you remember the God gave rock and roll video there is a brief snippet of the girl in Bill and Ted's bogus journey playing drums in the video and he thought well that's a new drummer and (laughs) she's a girl and he was convinced so that was uh, uh, the the level that the Kiss fans were it. So I was pretty much alone, so I, I started getting a hold of things like this. Did you ever read uh, these? Hey, oh, that's, is that Firehouse? Yeah, Firehouse. This one saved me back in the day, and I, I I always enjoyed the the fan letters at the end. If you remember, it's like the Kiss FAQ back in the day. Yeah, and this one was another one. So I started finding out about our, about other fans. And um, I actually got a hold of a guy who he just gave me a list of videos and said, pick what you want to listen to and I'll get you a VHS VHS cassettes. And I was really into the current lineup. Uh, at the time it was uh, the revenge era lineup. So I remember it distinctively. Uh, I chose Cardiff 1992 and Detroit 1990, the first night in May. So he put those two on a VHS cassette and he sent them to me. So the first one I I watched uh, was uh, Detroit 1990. And of course, it was with with Eric Carr, but it was pretty recent. And I was really into the recent, uh, the current lineup. So I I knew all about the makeup and stuff, but I was so into the current lineup. so that was, and I, I was shocked when I saw it because it wasn't this. I had seen, how do you say it, Badoken, Budokan? But, 1988, Budokan? 1988, Budokan, yeah, Budokan, 1988. And it was like, it wasn't the same band. Two years later in Detroit, that show, I was blown away by, you know, God of Thunder. The way uh, the Sphinx talked and the intro with them uh, entering through the mouth. And compared to Budokan, Budokan, I can't say it. Well, whatever. Budokan 88, it it was such a, I couldn't believe it was the same band. I was really impressed. And to this day, that first night in Detroit is one of my all-time favorite, favorites. Uh, But there was, one thing with this VHS cassette, it ended before the show ended. So I never saw I want <laughs> I, 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 I want you and and uh, rock and roll all night, uh, which it's was the best part uh, of the yeah, show. Yeah, with a fuckly, you know, the Kiss logo coming up. Who the fuck paid uh, for that? Yeah. Who, paid, who was like, "Dude, that's good." <laughs> who did up there. the K? Uh, I don't how But uh uh, so those two shows were, were, were my first, and I, I, I'll I'll have somewhat of a theme with my five bootlegs. They all center around this this time because that was when I was. When was so important to me when I was a
0: teen. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a common theme, really. If you ask anyone what their favorite bootlegs are, they're going to have some sort of personal connection with them. Uh, so let's test that theory, Jay.
2: Actually, you know, this one here I have no historical attachment to because I didn't even know it existed until not long ago. Uh, you know, we've heard, uh, we've heard some snippets from, from these sessions. This would be the, the Larabee uh, and Magna Carta demo sessions uh, from, I guess, 75. Isn't it manga graphics? Isn't Magna yeah. Carta like a cd rom Ma- Magna
0: Magna Carta is a British uh, political document. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mag- I
2: think it's Manga Graphics.
0: Graphics, a little studio. If you go into the old Village Voice ads, there's tons of uh, ads for the studio. So go on with it, Jay. Uh,
2: okay. Well, anyway, so uh, yeah, I'd have to go with that. You know, it, it's cool hearing uh, you know early versions of, of things like calling Doctor Love, ladies' room, love him and leave him, uh, even you know Mad Dog sort of giving you a little glimpse of what was to come with Flaming Youth. Uh, Nightfly, which, you know, I've I've heard, I think, bits and pieces of that at some point years ago, but it w- was never identified as Nightfly, so that was kind of new a new title for me. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, you've got the God of Thunder demos that we've already heard from the box set, uh, the really strange arrangement of Detroit Rock City uh, that, obviously, Ezrin made 10 times better. Um, and then uh, some of the early uh, demos for some of the material on the Gene Simmons solo album, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily that the material itself is amazing, but it's just, it's really cool to hear, um, I guess, the work in progress on a lot of those songs. So that's definitely going to be a a pick for me. And it's got Mistake and Smoke on it, which, you know, to me, Mistake got to be one of my very favorite, uh, Kiss Demos. Totally, completely uh different from what you would ever expect from that band. Never thought I'd hear a slide like that. Uh but it's great. I love it. You know, I'm glad they didn't go that direction, but it's it's really cool to hear though.
0: That's one of the few songs that Ken Sharp's descriptions, because he wrote about that in Goldmine, didn't do justice to just how wild that, that song was. And that of course is one of the Larrabee Uh, I think it was also on one of their song lists for the first album, um, maybe even hotter than hell. So, I mean, that's just a wild song. Um, and as we know from the original kiss crew drummer on those pre destroyer demos is one Jr. So, you know, if you, if you guys out there watching or listening to this have not picked up that book, junior R's got a great story about those demos and quite a lot of paperwork photocopies in that book. Um, You know, which you know, be better for you to read for yourself than us to give away that story. So very cool stuff. I'm a demos guy, Um, so I'm glad you picked some demos that I actually wasn't going to pick. I'm gonna. I didn't do my list in any order, Um, but the the first show I'm going to mention is 96, 97. While everyone else was enjoying the Alive Worldwide tour, I was at the University of Canterbury in Kent trying to do a computer degree, um, and spending all my money on tape trading or in the student union bar, rather than doing any computer science. And down, down in the town was a little record store, and they would get a ton of bootlegs in. And one of the first ones that I picked up there was Burning Stockholm, which was the December 96 Stockholm um, show on Alive Worldwide. And because I didn't get to any of the shows in England at the time, uh, probably because I didn't have any money, um, this was my first really good quality listen to The Alive Worldwide. And I was just blown away by it. It's an audience recording, but it's if anyone's heard the 70s recordings from Japan, which have such great sonics and clarity and vibe, more than anything else, it's... It's not perfect. It just really, to me, presents what a person heard on that tour. So, when I was pruning all my collection down to come back to America, this was, you know, one of two shows from that tour that I kept. And it's just, you know, it's, there's nothing special about it. The set list would make everyone grumble now. Oh, they're playing Firehouse again? Yeah. But the performance and Peter and the band is just, it's the powerhouse that was Kiss on Steroids in 96, 97. So that's mine. Right on. Let's go back to Daniel for number
1: two. Number two, I mentioned the VHS cassette I got with um, Detroit and the the other show on that VHS cassette was Cardiff 92. Uh, If you remember, they did a brief stint in the U.K., uh performing four or five shows uh but the thing with those shows was was that uh they brought the swinks show and they had the revenge era set list so it was really cool to see you know things were kind of bubbling with kiss back in 92 the record uh, received pretty good criticism and uh There was a bus and I remember the European version of Headbangers Ball at the time had a special program, you know, all kiss for two hours and and that was unheard of for for a few years back then. So things were really buzzing and this show uh, is a great show. I enjoy the Sphinx show a bit more than the Statue of Liberty. So I thought it was a good mix, uh, the good set list from the Revenge Era band uh, and the Sphinx in the, in the background. And also those shows, they were really. I, rem- I remember reacting to Eric Singer's drumming, uh, how he kind of, you know, beefed up the songs or. or updated the songs, and I really fell in love with the way he played drums. And uh, uh, I, fortunately, he wasn't that girl in the video. so <laughs> <laughs> He was a badass drummer instead. So uh, the show is not that particular, but it's a fun memory for me. And I remember at one stage, they actually I think they set the the, the ceiling on fire during Heavens on Fire. So that was kind of funny. Uh, but the show is a great audience. It's all it always strikes me when you watch bootlegs from later years, the the, the difference in the audience, uh, how it was back in in the day, and how it is now with everyone holding their cell phone. It's just it's not just the same thing. But, but, but uh, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a cool show. Oh, so one of my favorites
0: that's one i've never seen so i think I, i'd probably have it better check that one out all right let's move on andrew
3: i'm actually i listed this one as number three but i'm actually going to mention this one as number two because this show was the show that we were all just frothing at the mouth to see they finally put it out but that's a damn bonus disc they didn't even give us the whole show so it's Largo 77. Yep. It was the show that we saw a quick clip of it on the old uh, Dick Clark's Golden Greats from 78. And um, did we lose?
0: Yeah, did Daniel just dropped off. We'll, we'll try and grab him back, but we can continue.
3: Okay. Um, but anyway, this was the show that I was really looking forward to see because my first experience to KISS was KISS meets the Phantom. So all I knew at the time was Love Gun era KISS. So, of course, I got Houston and then I got... The first night, then I got the second night. So I was just really looking forward to anything else that had to do with Love Gun Kiss because that was my favorite era of the band. And then I started hearing about this show, and then you know, at the time before it leaked, there really wasn't a whole lot of talk about it. But there was a little talk about it, say it may exist, it may not exist. But then once I heard that it was being put out on Kissology, I was, I was so excited. I couldn't. I was there on Halloween at Walmart in makeup buying that version of Kissology Volume 1 because I couldn't wait to see Largo 77. Thankfully, a uh, couple years later, the rest of the show leaked because I think they, only, they didn't include like Shock Me and King of the Nighttime World, Beth, and one or two other songs. But we finally had the whole show, and I know it's time-coded, but still, this is the best snapshot of Kiss. When you see that, that full front shot of them coming down on the cherry pickers, you're like, holy, this is so cool. 30 years later, almost 40 years later now, it's still the coolest thing I've ever seen.
0: And that's Kiss Alive Too. You know, that Yeah, that, Kiss Alive too. That's the golden, yeah, they did, uh, the they golden did era. Let me go
3: rock and roll and uh Christine sixteen. No, no, let me go rock and roll and king of the Nights and in place of Take Me and Hooligan.
0: Yeah, no that, that is probably one of the most badass shows. There's also um and I don't know if it's surfaced yet, but some eight mil footage from that show as well. Um and that's I think the second night absolutely great pick that and that's I think the only bonus disc one of uh, one of only two or three that I kept from the whole K- kissology series Jay
2: yeah um, I'd have to go well by the way I'm counting down so uh, my first pick was actually number five oh. this, this got to be different I guess uh, all right so this <laughs> this one here is number four um, and I'm going with Sydney Australia. 1980. Uh, I think it's one of Paul's, probably one of Paul's best vocal performances that I've seen on a on a live video. Now, there's a there's a strange kind of delayed slapback on his voice in places, uh, which actually sounds really cool. I I'm not sure if the audience heard that, but uh, certainly the way it comes across on video is very cool. Uh, but I just I, I love the performances on that. It's great hearing some tracks from Unmasked. I think uh, some of them are. Uh, the best versions of those songs live that I've heard, uh, compared to some of the some of the audio bootlegs from that era. But I'm a huge fan of that of, the, of Unmasked, particularly. Uh, not a big fan of that period of Kiss as far as the the Las Vegas style costumes and whatnot. But gotta give it, you know, to to 1980 uh, Sydney, Australia. I think it's a, a great live video. Well, at least Paul got rid of the Peacocks,
3: you know, True. between 79 and 80. So, now, did you, know, which version do you prefer? Do you prefer the actual unedited version oh, or yeah. the Inter Sanctum
2: version? Yeah, I'll take the unedited version by far. Very cool, very cool. Love that show.
0: Don't you find the audio on that really tinny and a bit yeah. abrasive? That's my problem with it. Um, I've never liked the show because of the sound. You know, for for the unmasked stuff, um, I think Wellington for its imper- imperfection, or is it all, uh, Auckland? Auckland, Auckland. Auckland uh, so. you, yeah, know, you know, you know that Eric got off the soundboard is probably the most superior in terms of quality. Not, a, I wouldn't say the performance is that great. Um, love the colors of the Sydney show, I will say, but the, it's just the sound that needs a bit of work, and and how it's been thrown out, you know, a few times, not in all its glory. Is a bit depressing.
3: But, yeah, why? Why was Kissology two missing the first part of God of Thunder and just picks up as at Eric's drum solo? Why? Who? Who? Who, who was like, ah, and will never notice? Who? Who put that together? They should be slapped and fired.
0: <laughs> Kissology has lots of question marks around it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So until we get Daniel back, unless like
2: he's—I see him now.
0: You see him? But is well, he? Is he really yeah. there?
2: Yeah, I think he's in a ways. He's got now suspended animation.
0: So we're, I'll be back. we're back to our technical challenges. In which case, uh you guys have been going in some sort of order. I don't have any order because if you ask a Kiss fan their favorite albums, it'll probably vary from day to day, and so it will with my answers to what my favorite bootlegs are. So, I'm going to for my next pick move on to one I got way back when. I think I was living in Binghamton, so this is like 1987 or 88. Um after I got into the band there was a music store in downtown Binghamton across the bridge. You can oh you can see as you're back.
3: Wait. <laughs>
0: nope. So I'll continue. So it was across the bridge in downtown Binghamton. And the guy there sold bootlegs behind the counter. And he had Wicked Lester, he had the uh, the original demo, but he also had San Francisco nineteen seventy seven. And that's the Elvis tape. Obviously, it's unusual. You know, it's the day Elvis died. Paul dedicates rock and roll all night to the real king of rock and roll. And it's your bog standard Love Gun Tour it. show. There's, no, there's nothing special about it. It's got Take Me. I think there's been a, an argument, uh, you know, on the FAQ message board. You know, the Wait, only argument. There was
3: an argument on the FAQ?
0: It's the only argument we've ever <laughs> witnessed on the FAQ. <laughs> About whether it was a soundboard or just a really good audience or a soundboard mix or whatever. But whatever the case is, <laughs> the quality is really good. So, I, I Still your love, take me, ladies' room. Um, it doesn't have hooligan, which I think I can live without. Um, but it was. Wait, it
3: doesn't? I think my copy's got hooligan.
0: Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, I can't read. I, it's missing obviously...
3: Beth. It's missing Beth.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it it was it fit on one CD. It's been all over the place. Uh, I think if you ask most collectors it would have been one of the first ones most of them got in their collections. Um, great show. I still actually listen to it. So
3: Do you remember there used to be a website uh out a while ago called The Site of Blood? And they used to have different No, 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 excuse me, it wasn't The Site of Blood. It was uh Kiss Vault. Remember the Kiss Vault?
0: Yeah, Kai's site.
3: And I downloaded that one and Sydney Australia and Old House in '96 real player clips. And then what I did is I took my boombox, put it against my computer speakers, and recorded the boombox into the computer speakers and made a cassette. <laughs>
1: nice,
0: yeah.
3: I was a crafty kid. <laughs>
0: Actually, I I do still have the whole Kiss Vault website on DVD and all the real it's audio a great that site. they had. The especially the European Expos from '96-'97, fantastic sight. Um I was jealous. I I could never do that amount of audio because I always lived within the legal reaches of the band, <laughs> so I I never wanted to go that far. All right, let's keep trying to reach Daniel, uh, but let's bump over to Jay for your next pick.
2: All righty, got to give it to uh, East Lansing, Michigan. That would be October 21st, 1974. Uh it's a great performance, super raw. Um the band's got a little tighter of a stage show now that they're on their their second official tour. Uh you listen back to some of those uh some of the audio from the first national tour and the stage shows still pretty loose. Um this one's a little more scripted, maybe a little closer to the alive era uh kind of thing. So, I think it's a great performance. I think the audio is is great, Uh, definitely one of the better soundboard recordings from that period. And, I mean, I'm a sucker for early Kiss. To me, um, you know, Kiss, when they were hungry, stripped down, and, you know, not all about visual, I mean, maybe visual excess uh, at the time, but when you look back on it, uh, they were a very simple band in terms of their live show compared to to where they went many years later. Um, And I'm just, I'm a big fan of that period, you know, to me. Uh, 73 to 75 represents the band at their most distilled, and uh, I love them that way, you know? So this one is a is a great snapshot from the second tour, and I love it. I think it's killer.
0: This is another one of the ones that wasn't supposed to leak, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, isn't this uh, the famed Eddie Solon tapes? Like, these were...
0: No, I think the, belong- these these are the roadie tapes, I think, and I, well, I can't it, confirm Eddie that. Eddie
3: Solon was the sound guy at the time.
0: Eddie was long gone as the sound guy by then. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he he was gone before the uh, I think before February seventy four. I'll, I'll, I'll was... show you
3: this. This is the last one I listen to because I, I'm a bootleg nut. So what I do is I they all have artwork in my iTunes library. So what I do is I I go and I I cycle through. So East Lansing that's the one on my on my phone right now, and I always keep one on my phone, and I listen to it when I'm at work.
0: Yeah, and that one's really is. Where was that? That's pretty early in the Hotter Than Hell tour. So after, that's the last one that we get to hear until uh, Winterland in January of 75. So we're missing November, December. Yeah. You know, a lot of the Hotter Than Hell tour is not um, either circulating or doesn't exist. So, you know, people should probably get on their local Craigslist, put ads out there. There's got to be people, you know, who... By this point, their estates, um, you know, are clearing stuff out. It's such a shame that that tour isn't more um, supported in terms of the audio.
3: I I totally agree with you,
0: Daniel. You're back.
1: Maybe I can get one more in here before I'm gone again.
0: Yeah, give it a try.
1: Hey, can you still
0: hear me? Yes, we can hear you.
1: Should I try to? Am I gone again? No. No, we, we still got you. Okay. Uh, well, let's try my my third pick then. Okay. Okay, go. Okay, I think I'm on a I'm on a bit of a delay here. Yeah, good. Uh, okay, uh, my third pick. I'm moving in a. Um... Chroni- chronological order. Uh, so, oh, okay. Uh, my third pick would be Brooklyn Rock City. Uh, a great, yeah, Brooklyn Rock City. A, a great bootleg from the club tour, the Revenge Club Tour. And as you mentioned, Julian, uh, with one of your picks, uh, this is a great uh, audience recording. It feels like you're you're in that show. Uh, hopefully you, you've heard it uh, and the drum sound, for example, is, is especially good in the
2: uh, at
1: this show. So um, you really get to hear uh, the Revenge era lineup crunching through some classic tunes like Deuce and uh, Paris Tide. Uh, actually, these bootlegs, when I heard what, what a difference a great drummer could do to songs I like the classic versions of course, but there's no way around it that Eric singer updated the sound and and made it feel like uh, kiss was a current uh, uh, band you know they were right up there with the bands that were popular in terms of sound and I guess kiss has always been kind of a how do you say it uh, came Camel- 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 le they may have adapted to the, the current styles, but uh, this time around I think they managed to do uh, do it justice and it didn't feel like they were trying to chase some trends uh, it felt kind of honest even though I know some people think they try to look too tough when I was fifteen it was perfect uh, I like how they looked yeah but that's the word. Oh, I, I'm on a long delay. Okay. Uh, so, um, Brooklyn Rock City. Great sounding uh, CD. And there's actually some, some uh, footage on YouTube from that show. Uh, but it's not great footage. But the whole idea with the club tour was exciting. Uh, I guess it was sort of a way of a breaking in Eric Singer into the band. But he didn't need to practice too much. It felt like a... a if it felt like he, he had died before, and he actually had to some extent when he did the solo tour with
0: Paul. So that's my third pick. And that's a really unusual recording, kicking off a set with Love Gun. I mean, that just blew Love Gun into Deuce, into Heavens on Fire and Parasite. You know, that's a pretty hefty punch. Uh, I'm just looking at the set here. You know, Unholy, take it off. God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too, you know, so those would have been a the, great show. the songs off the, the new album, The Return of I Was Made for Loving You. Um, 100,000 Years, I mean, that really, I guess it's sort of a continuation of the Hot in the Shade era, you know, just with Eric replacing Eric, but, you know, At the Warehouse in Brooklyn, wow. I I hate anyone who went to those. May 92, I was in the middle of moving back to England again. So I a, I a good friend
3: of mine went to that show.
0: Yeah. What it would have been, you know, under a 1,000 people kissing the clubs again, what they'd done it in 88 at the Ritz and, uh, you know, in, in England as well. You know, so so I'd love to see them in a club again. And hopefully before they call it quits, they will do either a theater or a club-type tour where they really do the deep cuts kind of in a powerful way awesome. like this. That would be awesome. Alright, so uh thanks Daniel. I'm gonna go back to where I was before our, our slight technical uh difficulties. And the way we do these shows is I don't spend a lot of time in post production editing out our technical problems. We have challenges, um and that's just you know part and parcel of getting people involved from everywhere. So my pick um is a demos collection. And back in my Canterbury days, ninety six, ninety seven, the uh this collection and I actually have to bring up the title again I I bought it just because of the cover and it's a fantastic I don't have it anymore but it's a fantastic 1974 shot of the band and the collection's called there's nothing better it's uh got rock and roll all night and making love from Dick Clark's 93 uh, um rock and new year show the demos from uh Tommy's demos I think of betrayed, and the street giveth and taketh away one of the versions uh bad bad loving um reputation, and then all four of Peter's d- dynasty demos, uh including Rumble and out of control, Beck, the Chelsea demo, or I guess we now know it to be lips, the ac- acoustic version of Beth, ripped from the Phantom of the park movie um some of Gorious the mono. Some of the Cat Call, Paul Stanley demos uh, of Reason to Live, Bang Bang You, and My Way, which still makes my ears hurt. Um, (laughs) Great Expectations. Back Into My Arms Again, Ace's demo. Um, And a couple of outtakes from what was then the, uh, the, the Unplugged era, God of Thunder, Come On and Love Me, and Hard Luck Woman. As a collection... It just ran the whole spectrum of the band from, you know, what, 71, 72 for Peter stuff. The quality was pretty good. Um, you know, it was, I think it was version one of 64 of Gene's Bad, Bad Lovings and Reputations. You know, there have been so many different ones since. I loved the Peter stuff. Uh, you know, his demos for Dynasty have always been... Um, so much better than what his actual contributions to that, that album was. So it was just a little bit of everything. And, and for me back then kind of really getting into the demos back into my arms again, ACEs remains one of my all time favorite unreleased ACE fairly tracks. Oh. Um, so there's nothing better. I mean, there is stuff better now that we've got upgraded copies of just about everything off that. Um, so, but back in the day, 1997, it was, uh, as we said in England at one point, The Dog's Bollocks. It was a really damn good collection. So whoever put that one together, good job. You really uh, set me down a path that became very expensive. Jay, let's get back to you.
2: Um, All right. Number two would be San Francisco, uh, January 31st, 1975, The Winterland. Uh, You know, I remember the very first time I saw that show. uh, I think it was at... Either the Detroit convention, uh, the infamous Detroit convention back in 19- oh, they got they took two. the costumes back. Yeah, yeah. I either cool. saw it then, or maybe it was Chicago the following year. But you know, I, at that point, I had never, uh, I didn't have resources to even get close to any sort of kiss bootlegs other than mail order. And at that point, I hadn't really explored that. Um, so about all I had was just stuff that I had taped myself off of television at the time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, when I first saw that, I was just stunned, you know, and, and being in black and white, uh, as much as I would love to see that in color, and I'd love to see it, the Ted Turner treatment, as we were talking on the FAQ not long ago about that very subject, but I would love to see that in color. But, uh, you know, the black and white does lend itself really well. It gives the video some atmosphere. I think the band's super tight. Um, you know, I think the, I think. Paul and Gene, in particular, both are just killer. Peter's drumming is amazing on that on yeah. that uh, video. Um, I just love it. You know, I, w- I still would love to would love to see the the year prior. You know, um, at Winterland, and that's I'm sure amongst our lists somewhere today. But uh, but yeah, I, I gotta love San Francisco '75. It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, and that's probably one that just about everyone had before Kissology oh yeah it's probably... better
3: than what's on kissology
0: oh yeah and what's out there is better than what's on kissology i mean yeah. I, that's just so disappointing how bad that version is compared to what's been worked on by various people out in the community over the years yeah. um i can't even think which version's the best i think Mix. mickey
3: g that's mickey the best G's. one. yeah Mix pretty damn good
0: yep all
3: right andrew all right, so this was my previous number two, so it's not going to be my number three. Um, Cleveland 74. This show is so cool. you know. I, and before it came out, it's like none of us had ever even heard about it. It was a pretty well-kept secret. And I love it so much because, Mr. Speed, we played the Agora. We played the same room that Kiss played. Well, it's not the same room because it burned down and they had to rebuild it, but it's in the same spot where it was. But um, it, it's so cool. and. What I love about the show is like Gene is talking to the audience. Like, What does he say? How many people we got here? A hundred? All right. <laughs> you, know, and you can imagine Paul going, you're never speaking for this band again. You, know, you, can, you can see that they're still getting the kinks worked out, but it's such a cool show, such an early show, and for it being a soundboard, it, it's so cool. I know it never aired. It just recently aired here in Cleveland um, after it was discovered. But um, how cool would that have been, you know, if you were tuning in, you know, in, what was it, maybe May or or June of 74, and you heard that, because Nights at the Agora was a popular radio show here. There are tons of bands that, that were on there, so how cool would that have been to hear Kiss basically before they exploded. So, it was super cool. Favorite show, still love it.
0: So at yeah. nights out of the guard, did they broadcast or did they record the the headlining act as well? Because they opened, according to the ad I dug up for the show. Savoy
3: Brown. Right?
0: Uh, Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher,
3: Rory Gallagher. yeah.
0: So good. I mean, did that one ever surface the week before Peter Frampton performed at nights out and the following I weeks? Captain I've Beefheart. I've seen the
3: Peter Frampton one because I'm, I'm a pretty big Frampton fan as well too. Um, but there were other ones that, that surfaced. And you know what? I, I don't know if there was a rhyme or reason for why they were recorded. Maybe it was just, oh, this is a new act, or, or maybe the record label paid for the recording to air. I mean, I, I don't know. There are so many things that elude me, because the DJ that actually had this has since passed away. So I'm assuming a lot of the knowledge of the what happened around the show you know, unfortunately died with him. So, But it, it's really weird. I mean, you look back in the 70s, even into the 80s, They would record a ton of shows and air them, just like a lost art now. You're never going to turn on the radio and listen to a full concert. You're never going to turn on the radio and listen to a full album. You know, uh, WMS, which is the rock station here in Cleveland, they used to just play like just a side of an album, just because. So... And it was just a, a, a totally, totally different time and a totally different thing. So, you know, you have – there's there's different music websites. I and mean, One's called Wolfgang's Vault. They have a lot of different shows. that some of them originated from maybe Nights of the Acre or something similar like that. But when you listen to stuff like that, you have a, such a respect what it was like at that time. And it doesn't mean just kiss, but I mean just music at that time. Just more richer – or richer.
0: And WMMS, I'm just Googling to fact-check myself – Aren't they the radio station that first started pushing Russia's working man? So, that's true. You know, that's we just true. we just don't have radio stations like that anymore.
2: Isn't uh, WMS the buzzard? You know what it's the called? buzzard, that's it. Yeah, it's it the yeah. buzzard so, the buzzard army.
0: So that's a really cool show. It's just so disappointing that it's so. It feels so chopped up with the raps being edited out, um, you know, and you're basically left with nothing identifying um, to it. But the quality of the performance is just it's stunning. Insane. And isn't oh. that the show that Peter passed out at at the end?
3: Yeah, yeah. They say um, there are pictures that came with the show, um, you know, in the among the traded circle but i don't know if they're actually from the agora because it looks nothing like the agora that i played at was but anyway even the the texts that still work at the agora they say yeah peter chris passed out at the end of this show from all the smoke so i don't know exactly what they renovated in the room because clearly the room that i played at is different than the one that kiss played at so i don't know maybe the scene was a lot lower and maybe that's what caused him to pass out but according to the texts that still work there Texts that probably had no idea that this was ever even recorded. They knew that Peter passed out.
0: So that's that's a cool connection between the bootleg, the venue, and the band's history. You know, Peter Chris giving it all to the show, and, you know, down he goes at the end. So <laughs> no, no one can say that Peter didn't pay his dues. I know. All right, Jay, after you've had your sip, we're going to bounce back to you. <clears throat>
2: all right, well, I think I'm on my number one, so I'm just going to roll it out there. Unquestionably... Amityville Long Island June sixteenth, nineteen 1973 I mean you know for all its for all its warts and uh, bizarre things that happen in the show it's just amazing to me this was a holy Grail I remember uh, you know seeing pictures of the real for this particular show many years ago thinking I will never ever hear this in my lifetime uh, for it to finally surface just blew my mind. Um, you know, you've got Gene in particular is just completely batshit—no pun intended—crazy in this in this particular show. Uh, you listen to like Simple Type; I mean, dude is completely losing it to the point where it's like redlining the vu meters. You get like massive distortion uh, in some of Gene's vocals, but I mean, you can hear the passion in what those guys were doing back then, and for them to have that kind of passion before they were even really spoiled on the road um, several years later, you know, for them to have that passion now, or I guess at the time, uh, it's just, uh, it's very cool to hear. Uh, You know, the stage show is really loose. Uh, You hear hear Peter talking, you hear Gene talking, you hear Paul talking. I kind of like that. I love the early arrangements. Uh, particularly the extra verse and Nothing to Lose, which I totally did not see coming. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, Firehouse, you know, which we'd already heard a glimpse of that arrangement in the Bell Sound Studio demos, but hearing it live is very cool. I mean, I definitely think that uh, the way they edited it down later on was much better, but it's still very cool to hear it in a live context. Uh, Simple Type, I thought, was just fucking amazing, for lack of (laughs) a better word. You know, that song... uh, it's just hearing it adapted in in more of a Kiss fashion was very cool. I, I had no idea; what I, it totally exceeded my expectations. I thought the way they adapted that to um, you know with with Ace and Peter was really cool. I would love to hear a studio version of that, though I doubt anything like that exists. But um, and then then you've got Life in the Woods, the mythical Life in the <laughs> Woods that you know eluded Kiss fans for years. Um, you know, yeah, okay. It's it's there's a lot of hippie sentiment in some of the lyrics. Uh, the drunk the drunk backup singer or the James Hetfield clone
1: <laughs> is hysterical. It's the
2: best uh, part. I mean, I mean it was it was great, man. there's just absolutely nothing that I don't completely love about that show. I, I've listened to it on loop for hours at a time. Uh, never get sick of it to me it 's just fantastic, and for it to be in the quality that it is, I mean, I remember when the Bayou uh, audio surfaced like twenty five thirty years ago, that was at one point the earliest kiss show uh, that that had been in circulation uh, and it sounded like shit and I thought, well, this is as good as it's going to get. You go back that far you can 't expect the kind of technology that the band had at their disposal you know when they got on the road with with a professional crew. Um, so to hear this in the quality that it's in is just amazing. I just I love it. I don't know if there'll ever be any other thing that I could think of in uh, Kiss's history that would top that show.
0: Yeah, that is probably the, one of the.
3: Uh, what was that? What about the Loft tapes? That that was around that time too. They did uh, they did Life in the Woods and the Loft tapes. It was I right. think it was our. Yeah,
0: that's that's the, re- the the rehearsal. I guess uh, Jeff wrote about it in uh, the Kiss magazine. You know, both of these, you know, the earliest recorded Kiss, you know, live right now, um, unbelievable. I mean, holy grails, without a doubt.
2: Totally. That
0: lived up to expectation as well because you couldn't not listen to that. You know, you're like nothing to lose. Firehouse, and then boom, Life in the Woods, and then Simple Type. <laughs> And then Acrobat. And, you know, it's the Peter Chris show. It's how much he really talks in those, but also how they really do sound like they're playing Madison Square Garden. You know how they used to say, you know, we'd be playing, playing a crap little club in Amityville. But, you know, we got up on stage and we played. Yeah, they did. It really sounds like a band that has that hunger. They've got the fire. Yeah, they, absolutely. You know, it's, they've got the Musketeers thing going. Um, I, I was blown away when I heard that. And, you know, it is one. It's out on YouTube now, so if you've not heard it, you know, it's easy to go to YouTube and find it. And if you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. You know, June 73. This is early Kiss. Um, you know, you don't need to spend 55 bucks on the silver CD to hear the damn thing. And it's a shame. I, I will say this. It is a total shame that Kiss missed the boats on releasing this themselves in like a dvd format with writing you know get ken sharp to interview them about the performance about each of the songs how they brought simple type across from wicked lester you know that there's they could have been making money you know from the 200 300 fans who still buy cds and stuff
3: um the fans that don't someone would have paid for a download of that yeah. I would
0: have. Yeah, totally. Throw it you know, like the Beatles just did with all their sixty-four uh, bootlegs and radios. They threw it all up on iTunes, you know, because that renewed the copyright under British law, you know. But they also got paid.
3: You know, I I have a uh, I, I know I know why the Beatles they put their stuff out because you know there comes a point in time where music gets so bad. So the Beatles like, you know what? Just put put the same songs out again. Just remind people what good music sounds like. Just put it out again. You know, who they have it? Who cares? Put it out again. You know, At thank that.
0: thank goodness Kanye discovered Paul McCartney. That guy just needed <laughs> no, yeah. So that that's a really good one. Let's uh, move on to uh, one of mine, and this is another demo collection. That's one of my pet peeves. It's uh, not for the innocent. It has the 1982 version of Not For The Innocent, which, of course, has Paul and Gene trading off vocals. And it totally blows away the Lick It Up version in terms of attitude and rawness. What that song could have been on um, Creatures of the Night, you know, it, it, it just proves that they had good material that they didn't really need outside songwriters with that sort of stuff. But the rest of the the material on Not for the Innocent is just stuff that The Godfather um, basically downloaded from torrent sites, much of which was from auctions that I had won for the Stanley the Parrot Acetate. Yeah, that's on there, and it's probably the version that I cleaned up um, not very well back then. High and low. Burning Up a Fever, Rotten to the Core, Jelly Roll, Daily Planet. So those were the 75, 76 from the acetate that uh, Kiss was kind enough to sell me at their auction, whether they knew it was in there or not. Um, it also had, I think, the versions of Flaming Youth, um, Great Expectations, None of Your Business, and and the other uh, Destroyer demos that came off an Ace demo tape uh, that I had managed to find. Um, but also a bunch of the I Don't Want Your Romance, Man of a Thousand Faces, Rock and Rolls Royce, See you in Your Dreams, The Exquisite, and we'll give a shout out to Rossberg Originals, See You Tonight, probably the best Gene Simmons uh, Beatles take ever. Yep. Um, love that song. I can listen to that all day long. But uh, yeah, you know, Altramental thrown on the end of that. So it, it was just basically a collection of you know stuff that had been torrented, with what I'll say is fantastic packaging. It was in a digipack, had all the stolen Norman C. photo outtakes from uh, the Hot in Hell sessions, just really well put together and extremely good sound quality. So that's out there, every everyone. If you haven't heard Gene Stanley the Parrot, go to YouTube. It's it's a trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Andrew.
3: I'm going to go with, a, I guess, a newer one. Uh, Dodger Stadium 98. You know, at the time that this came out, uh, and it was on Kiss Online for a little while, too. At the time this came out, it was unsure if this was going to be the last good quality sounding Kiss recording. Because remember, the Farewell Tour was after this, and, you know, we there was rumors of a live four coming out. But for a while, this was the very last soundboard recording of Kiss. So at the time, I don't think Kiss had really come as complacent as they became later on the Psycho Circus tour and even on the Farewell tour. Band still sounded good at this time, you know, and it was a good, it was a great show, you know. They had nothing to lose on there. They got She on there, which I don't know why they dropped those when they actually started the tour properly in November of '98. Because I thought those sounded good. I thought Peter sounded good, and, and you know, I I liked how they did the studio version of She rather than the version of She with the uh, Let Me Know ending. So, and this show is special to me too because I remember watching um, part of the show on Fox TV. They aired two songs, and then I just remember what was going on with Kiss at the time. So when I got this show, I go, "This is so cool! I remember this, you know, happening." And I think I don't know if I I don't know if this was true or not, but because I saw a dial-up internet access at the time, but it it was my understanding that Pepsi.com was one of their partners, and they aired this show live on the internet the night it happened.
0: Yeah, I think they streamed it at the time. I can't remember because I was there, obviously. Um...
3: Yeah, they, they streamed it or something, but I, because of the dial-up limitations, I couldn't get it. So I, I was like, man, I really want to really hear this show. So I finally got the, the soundboard copy of it, and it was freaking great. And Actually, back when Napster was still a thing, I was getting like select tracks from this show. I was getting like, I got like, God of Thunder, and then I got She... And I got a couple other things like, man, I, I can't wait to get this whole show. And I finally got the whole show. And even um, the, the show that I have, it's right up the silver CD that was sent to radio stations. It has an interview as the first track. So yeah. you hear them talk before the show about how excited they are about the Psycho Circus tour. And then obviously many, many years later, it got put out on Kissology Volume 3. So I thought it was cool to finally add video to, um, to the audio. And I thought it was funny too that the ultimate Halloween party—that's where they aired a couple songs that the East Coast got "Let Me Go Rock and Roll," and the West Coast got shout out loud. So before YouTube was the thing, I was like, "All right, who do I know out in L.A. or, or the West Coast that like, can give me that damn song?" You know, because I need another version of shout out loud. Let's get real here, but still a great show.
2: Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when that that whole because it was like I think wasn't Millennium and Mad TV all kind of bundled in with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. my band had a gig that night and I knew I was going to have to miss uh, the radio because they were doing a simulcast. At, I believe it was Q95 out of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, my local station, that was was mm-hmm. airing the simulcast of the unedited show, or I guess as unedited as you can get. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, I knew that I didn't have any cassettes long enough to. I did not have a real time CD burner, and that wouldn't have mattered anyway. I would not have been able to catch it. Um, so I decided to rig up the radio to my VCR, and I got uh, like a 120 minute tape and ran the audio through my VCR nice. and recorded it in EP mode so that I could get the full show while I was gigging somewhere else. So, but really? you know, oddly enough, I lost it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just a week or two later. I don't. I think I took it over to somebody's house or something uh, to actually have it transferred to cassette or whatever it was. Maybe CD at that point. And uh, I lost it. And I've I've never actually heard the the full show. So really, yeah, I need to seriously go back. It's just you know, so many things have happened since then that I've I've. I've there's a lot of shows I need to go back and seriously take a listen to. That's definitely on my hit list for sure.
0: Yeah, Psycho Circus in LA. Uh, You would think uh, with me running the FAQ that I had uh, seen every KISS tour going back. I miss KISS so many times between 85 and 98. This was my first KISS show I attended. So it is a special show to me. Obviously, you get the three new songs from Psycho Circus, uh, the the live debuts of Psycho Circus, uh, Into the Void, and Within. You know, what was said about Nothing to Lose and She, those were fantastic that night. That whole set was powerful. Um, even though I'd seen and heard all the bootlegs, there was nothing quite like seeing that band in Dodger Stadium. Um, and I picked up that three CD radio set as well. That that was my my go-to set once I edited all the rubbish out um it, it <laughs> makes a lot of rubbish yeah there there's a lot of stuff on there it's it's really cool from the time but it's a great show and it's just a shame that the rest of the tour you hear the performances something happened you know pretty soon after then yep. it, it seems in the band um
2: very tired later on
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there was a certain amount of fun with this. Obviously, Smashing Pumpkins opened that show dressed up as the Beatles '64, so it was kind of corny like that. This was the only show on the tour that had the circus. Um, Yeah, and I just remembered from my shitty seats, going, "What the hell's that?" You know, I I don't (laughs) even, I don't even remember. I just was, how the hell are they gonna take this around? Um, You kind of knew that was gonna be a non-starter. And it was the, the, I think, the first and only time I've been to LA. So,
3: it was a weird tour because I remember I saw videos of them uh, in Buffalo, New York, and Gene was looked like a fat guy. Like no, he didn't look Gene; like a fat guy. And then I remember like four or five weeks later, I got another video from the tour, and I'm like, wait, he's not fat anymore. Well, <laughs> Gene, why did you have a fat guy standing for you? Like, what's going on? And he was like, his weight was like yo-yoing back and forth. And there was a joke going on at the time. It might have been on the old Asylum BB that they said that Kiss took all the money from the reunion
2: tour, bought fast food with it. That's why they all gained weight on the Cycoser. Oh, dude, man, yeah, Ace Frehley. I mean, I remember seeing uh, them debut uh, in the new uh, new old uh, Destroyer-era costumes, and I was shocked at how much weight Ace had picked up between tours. Uh, it, was, it, was kind of, it was kind of a bummer for me being a huge ace fanatic. And, you know, maybe that was sort of a roundabout, maybe signal of th- sort of the end with the band because they all just seemed very defeated uh, <laughs> as you got further into that tour. I saw them the Terre Haute and Indianapolis both uh, on the Psycho Circus tour. Actually, I think Terre Haute was the Lost Cities tour and Psycho Circus tour was in Indianapolis. But, you know, just from that progression, just between those two shows... I mean, they were half the band they were the second time I saw them on, on the Cycle Circus tour, as they were from the first. So they just ran out of steam very quickly on that tour. You got that really cool live CD from Indianapolis, too, that six-CD EP. Wasn't that an overseas-only release? Yeah, wasn't it uh, uh, part of the Cycle Circus uh, German import or something it like was, that? It was, yes. it was yeah, basically
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the tour yeah. edition for the European tour. It's like released yeah, in it's March like ninety nine.
3: Cool and would like I, I had to buy the C D again. I'm really tired of buying the same thing. I'm really, really tired of it. <laughs> it got me again.
0: But that's so a really that's a really good live EP. That, it's better
3: than, than uh, the Millennium concert.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, that would be a great one again, you know, for them to dig in if they recorded all three of those shows, just put them out raw um, as a little box set. You know, here's Psycho Circus Live. You know I would love to hear those three full shows, soundboard quality. You know, really cool stuff. All right, so who's next? I
3: still got. I still got one more.
0: You got one more. Go. <laughs> All right, one more.
3: <laughs> uh, the rock and roll over radio special from '76. Oh wow! This this is one of my favorite things ever because not only is it a cool snapshot in history, just a cool snapshot in '70s radio. I mean, like I mentioned before, you know about the nights at the Agora, they don't make cool stuff like cool radio programs like this anymore. I know it's basically a fluff piece it's basically Paul and Jean and there's a Casablanca woman they uh, interviewed. Her name is Sue Monero. But it kind of gives you a glimpse into what was going on at the time. The, the hype machine that was building KISS bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just cool to listen. 70s radio stuff is one of my favorite things to listen to. Whether it be commercials, interviews, or even radio specials like this. It's just cool because you get to hear you know, whatever was going on at, at the time. You can listen to bootlegs and demos, however any, long you want, but you kind of get a glimpse into the hysteria, or the kiss area rather, of what was going on at the time. And I got an absolute mint copy of this. You know, years and years ago, I had a, a copy. It looks like someone taped it off a boom box, and, you know, there's crackling in the background, but I got a mint copy, so it's really cool to listen to that. And I think it's out on vinyl. I think you could find it on vinyl. I think the vinyl was sent to radio stations to actually air the program. So, you know, they talk about Rock and Roll Over, they play some Rock and Roll Over tracks, but it's cool. Definitely, definitely one to look for. Yeah,
0: that was one it actually is pretty expensive to find, the uh, the original Radio LP. And I've never heard a good quality version of it. So... Just wait. <laughs> get it up on YouTube. Done. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to move on to my last one uh, before we go into our Holy Grails. Um... And mine's another one of the recent ones, and it is Northampton, March the 19th, seventy five, the first, uh, I guess you could call it the Dress to Kill tour uh, show. It was a, a warm-up for the Beacon shows a couple days later, um, and they performed two sets at this. The Roxy was one of those venues in the uh, New York City uh, periphery that a lot of acts used to warm up. Uh, So they got a lot of killer shows in the 70s, and this is uh, second set was taped by a guy out of New Jersey, um, and he threw it up on eBay, and it leaked. Uh, The version that's out there is the crap version that he recorded uh, to CD. The version I got, because I'm the one who bought the freaking tape off eBay, um, I had transferred in the studio. And my version blows that out of the water so I'm able to listen to mine repeatedly. It's the first known um, performance of Come On, Love Me. Obviously, they probably played that in the first set that night, but that wasn't taped. Paul introduces She as Here's a New Song. Obviously, we know it had been in the set since 73. Um, That's Splitting Harris. And then it's basically your live set. But it's just because they're warming up for the Beacon, which was going to be this massive press event um, new album it's got you know it's got a lot of fire it's got that early kiss balls it's got everything that you want to visualize about the band burning for you on stage Um, it's just a fantastic audience recording the best part of this is the it's roughly 30 minutes of after show recording backstage or um, in the loadout area and the guy who taped it talks to Gene. He talks to Peter. Peter's fantastic. Um, he, he's just, you know, chatting with the fans, telling them about, you know, we've got a show tomorrow night, but we had to cancel it so that we could be ready for the, uh, the Beacon show. So they canceled the show in Connecticut. Uh, and he tells you about that. Gene's showing off his spider jewelry to the fans and telling you the name of his spider ring, you know, which is Alfred. Uh, you know, it's just before there's ego you know it's chatting with the fans about nothingness oh you know peter saying oh the new york dolls are over um and this part didn't get out so that plus the performance makes it one you know i I've, I've listened to a lot since getting it transferred um obviously everyone can now hear the rest of the the rest of the show in slightly less uh stellar quality but you really it's better than the beacon recording so um
3: yeah, the beacon
0: sounds like piss. Yeah, and allegedly there's another source for beacon, but you know, unless I can hear it, I don't really care. Um you know, I'm I'm somewhat happy this got out, somewhat disappointed, but you know, th- that's life. You you get this stuff and you get to hear you know the band blow the roof off the Roxy. So, great, great show. Go to YouTube, it's probably there, just like everything else now. Oh, it is. It is, on there. Oh, it is? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 just one of those other ones um, that really sets it up. Have we covered Oops. all of our, our top fives each?
1: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, then let's move on to what is the Holy Grails left that we want to hear? Mm-hmm. Or see, because there's the video. Jay, I'm going to start with you.
2: All right, man. Uh, mine are real simple. Um, the Barry Richards Rock and Soul Show from March 27th to 74. And I'm going to cheat and throw in "Boogie" from September of '74 in Canada. Uh, those two broadcasts I would kill for. I did a lot of research uh, on both. Uh, passed some information along to Jeff um, several years ago, I guess, over the Barry Richards thing. I don't know if he ever ended up using any of it. But obviously, it, it didn't. It didn't give us anything more than we, we've already got, which is nothing. Um, it's the Barry Richards one in particular. Just sounds really cool to me. I've seen clips of that show on YouTube from roughly around that era, so I know what the vibe is like. Uh, to see Kiss in that vibe, because you know Barry Richards was kind of a I don't know he was kind of a kind of a hipster a little bit, you know, man. Hmm. And just to see Kiss come in there and really shake shit up, that would have been amazing. I heard some you know I guess some accounts of people that were there uh, from the crew. Um, saying there was some unexpected pyro that they weren't planning on. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, that captured on film somewhere. I have my doubts as to whether or not we'll ever see it, um, unless there's just some guy that was rich and taped it accidentally, you know, or something like that. And then the Boogie Show, when I saw the the one sheet for that, uh, it cropped up on, I guess it popped up on the FAQ last year, I about shit myself. Yeah, there it is. Excellent. I I just, I shit myself. I was like, what, 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 what? (laughs) You know? And uh, I did a lot of, uh, did a lot of checking uh, City TV to find out. And, you know, the thing is that company has changed hands so many times. And now, of course, it's under a a huge corporate umbrella that uh, would be so difficult to sift through to try to get to the source to even find out whether there's anything there I've heard a lot of people say that uh, they were so broke, the station was so broke back then because it was at that point still almost kind of a startup network that they didn't have the finances to film everything and keep them, so they would reuse tapes over and over and over again. Uh, But I would kill for both of those. To me, those are the last of the holy grails that I'm aware of, uh, at least for me. So that's going to be my pick.
0: Yeah, and of course, Barry Richards, I think Jeff, when he was on the Other Side of the Coin podcast a couple of weeks ago, said that that was most likely Firehouse being, I think, lip-synced. So I don't think that really matters. It, it would have... <laughs> no, no. 74, Kiss, TV. Um, and I emailed Barry way back about this, and he has basically uh, slammed the door in my face on an email. Um, so... I I wouldn't be surprised if it still exists, is just where I'll leave that.
2: a thing of interest about that is I was actually doing some more checking just a couple of days ago, and a gentleman by the name of Joe Hasselvander, who was a member of the band Pentagram, Mm. and is also the drummer for Raven, uh, has a hookup with a guy who actually has, he claims to have every Barry Richards show ever filmed although, uh, and they were taped by, I guess he he taped them himself or got them from someone who did. Uh, I don't know in what mean, the, what format they were they were recorded on, but I think it was like a, some sort of weird 8mm camera kind of deal. so
0: 8mm pointing, pointing at the TV?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> kind of what it is. Uh, I don't know whether that's the case or not, but anyway, so I hit up Joe, but I have not gotten a response back from him yet. We're friends on Facebook, so hopefully... Uh, he'll uh, he'll fess up and let me know whether this dude's actually sitting on anything. But I, somebody else asked several years ago on this article that Joe had posted on his blog, uh, and there was never an answer. So it's still a mystery as to whether or not that KISS footage exists.
0: And Boogie wouldn't have been a performance either. It was an interview show. Yeah. Uh, and that sheet that you saw on the FAQ was actually sold on eBay. Um, very cool photos you can go on to you know here we are again you can go onto to youtube and you can see episodes <laughs> of boogie from 74 and get a feel for that it's almost like kind of sesame street yes. meets uh, solid gold so it, it it's a trip it, it's well rooted in the early 70s and what is that ctv city tv yeah. um you know i guess the search continues for people who get access into archives or dig up people who were connected with these shows? So I, I I don't think anything ever gets written off as not being possible. So those are really cool ones, Andrew.
3: Well, originally my holy grail was Japan '78, but
0: they're all out now. I,
3: under- I understand that it wasn't. It was never recorded. So I'm gonna kind of change my my holy grail a little bit and kind of say I, I know they performed in Passaic, New Jersey in in '75 or '74. They had an in-house camera system because they have a cheap trick and a journey show from the same place so who knows maybe there's maybe there's a, a kiss show uh, out there but my ultimate holy Grail Coba Hall may 16th 1975 there's some film footage of that on the uh, ultimate live special at airdy vh1 and if you go on YouTube if you go on YouTube there's actually someone put together all the known existing footage from that show so it would be great to just see a full song from that show because there's a picture that's out there and I might have it. I'm, actually, no, I don't have it on here, but there's a picture out there where it almost looks like there's a drum screen in front of Peter Chris's drums. Which, for all those non musicians, if you don't know what a drum screen is, it's a plexiglass that goes in the front and the side of your drums to kind of uh, isolate the drum sound from getting the microphone bleed. Um, so, it would be really cool to see that because there's be nothing cooler to see that kiss right before they exploded.
0: All right, my holy grail and this won't shock anyone who knows me, Winterland 74. Um, I I spoke to, obviously living in San Francisco, I try and dig as much as I can for anything to do with San Francisco and KISS now. I believe it still exists. I think that story about the fire, eating this one, is bullshit. I think that people got it. There was a um, an interesting Usenet thread... Many, many years ago that now isn't even available on the Internet Archive that basically had two guys arguing. It listed dollar amounts that were involved. Um, and the the way I read that is that it exists. It is very much under lock and key. But that would have been in the era that they likely performed Kiss in Time. Um, obviously, it was filmed. We know it was filmed in-house. Um, so a, you know, June 74, black and white, you know, which for Gene definitely means it was decades ago, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, show, I, I think someone's got it and someone is probably holding out thinking it's a half million dollar tape when it really isn't and you can't take it with you. So get over that. Kiss will never pay you that much money for it. Um. You know, get it out there. And for that matter, the June 75 one as well. Both of these, you know, just it the, the story and the people who I've spoken to who were involved in the Winterland, it just makes it seem highly improbable that uh, they don't still exist. Uh, has
2: any, has anyone ever accounted for what was destroyed in the fire? Obviously not KISS related, but I mean, so I'm just wondering how, by, how they made the process of elimination to come to the conclusion that the KISS was either burned in the fire or not burned in the fire. I mean, obviously somebody's got um, some sort of database uh, accounting for what was or wasn't lost because I think at some point even um, Bill Graham's people had said that the kiss footage had been lost in the fire, but I don't know whether that's the case or
0: not. Yeah, and 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 I'm still working on police reports for that. The whole firebombing incident and the fire. Um, you well, know, here's I, the
3: weirdest. Here's the weirdest thing about the June 75 show. The Tubes were a headliner, correct?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
3: well, if, if, they were, if you go on, you go on YouTube, June 1st, 1975 it's right. A video. I, I just clicked it right now. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now.
0: You know, so, but appara- apparently the KISS stuff was kept in a special place.
3: Oh, yeah. okay. And,
0: and once you get <laughs> into euphemisms like that, you know, special, okay, yeah, it, you know, it it, it just – it all the facts, and there's so few facts uh, that you can't really – say definitively that it exists the again the dollars being mentioned in that old thread you know i wish i'd screen captured that um but it was good enough to read and it was good enough to make it really seem um that Columbo would be on the case and you know maybe (laughs) who knows but uh you know that's my that's my holy grail for now
3: that would be amazing
0: and and you just i I don't think we ever know what's going to prop you know crop up next the, the whole thing with bootlegs, it, and for me, you know, Love Gun Deluxe, I hadn't heard those versions of those demos. There's always going to be a new version of something coming out, or an upgraded version. Um, it's endless. I, I would say to anyone, you know, in your town, dig. You know, put an ad in Craigslist or in your local paper and say, you know, did you record bands in the 70s? You know? You know, I never
2: thought to do that.
0: You know, no one, no one's getting any younger, and you know, occasionally they crop up on eBay. You know, reels have been up there. Um, there's been a lot of cool stuff that's turned up on eBay, actually. Well,
3: I mean, didn't the uh, Hall 77 turn up on eBay, and the seller sold Ugh, it on geez. eBay for like five grand and yeah. started making dvd copies? Yeah, that that, that was a that was a it.
0: that was a five grand for I think it was the half inch reel um, or, or tape, whatever it was. And then I bought, he was selling DVDs. I bought one of the hundred and something dollar DVDs. I've still got it, actually. So he screwed the poor seller, uh, I mean, the buyer. And they'll always be that. I mean, there's stuff I've bought off there. You know, it's allegedly, you know, no one else has it. All of a sudden you hear through the grapevine, it's out there. It, it's, you know, I it heard, happens.
3: and I don't know how true this is, but I heard that the person who sold that, um, that Detroit 77 show purposely leaked. The incomplete night to generate interest for the two complete nights, meaning that the first two nights have the encores.
0: But yet the, we and know we know, about What's we, we know the encores exist for the other night because haven't parts of them been on official videos?
3: Um, well there was or, if you watch the, Actually you're um, talking
0: seventy seven, I'm thinking seventy six, aren't
3: I? No, 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 you're you're right. The uh, but I believe the when KISS got the People's Choice Award, I don't believe it was the last night in Detroit. I think it was the first or second night. Because if you watch the People's Choice Award from seventy seven when they accepted the award for Beth, um the video from Beth is from Detroit seventy seven, but it's just the audio is the is obviously the studio audio. So if you go back to the old KISS Vision comp and pop in the the, uh, the clip from the People's Sure, you'll see the video from Detroit 7-7. don't know which night it is, but I heard that the incomplete night was leaked to generate interest for the complete nights, and the plan backfired.
1: Could be.
0: Could be. Who knows what's next on the leak list. Uh, <laughs> so, um, to wrap up, I th- I, I think I'm going to finish up Daniel's list for him, since, unfortunately, technical issues have, again, knocked him out. Um
3: and he fell
0: asleep. Yeah, you know, he he was looking a little bit sleepy when I was monologuing. So, um he had on his list Santiago, Chile 1994 and I'll I'm going to say a hell yeah to that one because yeah. that was one of the Kissology bonus discs that was actually worth a damn. And oh, yes. it was also a hell of a performance of that 92 to 96 uh lineup. Absolutely yeah. Kicks ass, you know. I, I, the band for me, I don't think was ever better in that period than that video. And it, you know, if I didn't have to go to work tonight, I'd play that video tonight. Um, let's see what else did he have. He had Tokyo 95, another kick ass video, yeah. And I think it's the, the Mickey G version of that that's out there. That's probably the very best. Um, extremely good. And then his holy grail. Is anything high quality from the Creatures tour? And I think any KISS fan yeah. would absolutely lynch the landlord to get anything high quality from creatures. Or asylum. Right? Yeah, or asylum. Or asylum. You,
3: you keep asylum because you look ridiculous. You look like B. Arthur, but creatures of the night, they were still cool. Even with Vinny. Yeah, even with even with the Wiz, I'll take that over Asylum.
0: Yeah, it's, I I, it's I would I would love to see a full pro shot show, and if you think of the creature stuff that is out there, the the Brazil, uh, what Sao Paulo,
3: Montreal, Sao Paulo, Rio, and then Montreal.
0: Montreal, City, yeah. it, you know, it's amazing how little there is in terms of video audio. We're a little bit better off with the uh, what is it, Sioux City, um, Rockford.
3: Sioux City, Rockford, then there's uh, Universal City, which is really good, too.
0: Yeah, and the Detroit show from that, I I, I got a tape from that a few years ago. That was really early, Jen. Good show. Ottawa, Montreal, you know, there's plenty of audio. But video, yeah. So let's wrap it up. For everyone out there, you know, join the discussion over on the FAQ. And, you know, what are your holy grails? What are your favorite bootlegs? There's, you know, absolutely thousands of them to pick from with this band. You know, including the latest from Tokyo, so
3: and don't be hating on the the hoarders. I mean there are people that legitimately own things and good for them, but um, I think a lot of the hoarders or I guess the the collectors catch a lot of flack because they have something the uh the normal folk don't have, so if you don't like it, do some legwork and uncover something then yeah. you could have that
0: totally do the research if. And as I've said, I think a couple of times in this, you know, make the effort in your town. You never know what you may be able to discover, you know, by talking to people who worked at clubs, tracking them down. It, you don't have to be, you know, a detective, but you got to do the detective legwork and you can find stuff. When we do uncover stuff, we only own the physical copy. We don't own the music. We don't own the performance. Um, and we pay a lot of money for it, so you're no one's entitled to hear it. Occasionally, it gets out, which you know, as a fan, when I hear something I don't have, is really cool. But when something I've paid out for gets out, I'm a little <laughs> bit, uh, you know, annoyed. But that's the risk. Do the legwork because there. Every year we're seeing and hearing more and more, and you know the band's not getting any younger. So do it.
2: Yeah. Neither are
3: we.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right guys. Let's wrap it. Thank you everyone right. for joining us far. and listening to this. Daniel, you know, I'm sorry you dropped off. Um you're probably fast asleep right now, so we will catch <laughs> up with you. All Lost right, everybody. in the ether. Yep. All right. Thank you everyone. Take care. Good y'all. Bye. Bye.